You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. This is Raising Our Voices. You're listening to Bronwyn Trickett from Armida. And I'd like to introduce today guests Brenda Penaluna and Lisa Brumtis from Brain Injury Matters. Today we're going to be talking about invisible disabilities. I'd like to ask Brenda and Lisa, I'd like to ask you both some questions about your how your disabilities affect you on a daily basis how does the fact that your disability is invisible affect you when you're out in the community well I don't usually pick up that I have a disability at any point even when I'm out in the community you mean people don't notice they don't see they don't they can't detect not really the only thing that they've detected and they've told me about too because I can't tell is that I limp a little bit okay but I can't tell that I limp obviously maybe okay (laughs) Brenda do you want to talk about how when you're out in the community how does your invisible disability affect you um my mother did most of the parenting when I was a child. I have another sibling who um, has the same disability as me. My sister and I are both have albinism. Um, these days, um, being albino um, means you've got a very, very trendy haircut that most <laughs> hair colour, I should say, that most people apparently pay thousands of dollars to have <laughs> their hair the colour of mine. Um, of and, course, it's sweet, right? Oh, well, I've just had my hair coloured purple. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of... Um, because I, I look... I, because it's not obvious mm. that um, a part of my disability is that um, I'm vision impaired and um, I'm technically legally blind, mm. um, you, people don't know that that's what's going on for me. Um, and so, um, you know, sometimes I'll bump into them or mm. sometimes they don't realise I can't see things and that's that's how it mostly affects me. Okay. Okay, But as I started to say, my mum did such a good job of parenting. Um, her whole philosophy um, with me, my younger sister, who's albino too, and our five other siblings, mm. was that we were all to be very independent um, and we all had to learn to live in the world. Um, and it was such a gift that she gave us all um, that I think I was a little bit too independent for a little bit too uh, long. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I didn't want to be conspicuous when I was out and about. Mm. Um, so for a long, I think I was in my fifties before I started using a cane. Okay. Um, at, at times that I felt I needed it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lisa, I remember um, from previous shows where you've been on uh, raising our voices, you've talked about the acquired brain injury that you have. And um, I remember uh, we were also talking about how um, being out in the community and being on public transport can be an issue. How does it affect you when you're on public transport? It usually doesn't because I usually, because the only, well, the, the usual public transport that I take, the most common type, 
the tram and I usually get on the seat, like get onto the seat that's mm. by the door so I don't really have a problem. Oh, that's good. Except when there are dickheads, can I say that term, <laughs> that sit on that seat and some of them are real assholes. They're real... And they just kind of lounge around the entire front area and don't even <laughs> think about moving or going to the side or whatever. Yes. And they're just kind of like, hello, you're not the only one on the tram. Mm. Mm. But I think that's a matter of their humanity as opposed to um, being kind to, the, you know, the rest of society kind of thing. Yeah, so their attitude rather than, mm. okay. Brenda, how about you on public transport? How do you find it affects you? As a younger person, um, going on public transport was, um, I would tend to only go uh, to places that I knew exactly where I was going, you know, places that I've been before with other people, um, because um, and particularly I would avoid um, buses or trams because mm. I can't see um, where buses are going, what numbers and things like that until it's right on top of me. Mm. Um, and um, so I used to not be very confident about that kind of thing. Understandably. Yeah, but these days there's so much technology to support me um, in with public transport. So PTV have an amazing app that I use all the time um, That so I know. I can even look on my phone and I can see where I am on public transport in relation to where I want to go. Um, so I've been quite confident now about getting on buses particularly um, where I've got no idea where I am but I can have set where my bus stop is and I'll follow the bus and and quite confidently get on and off by myself. I really, really love And even, you know, when when it, you first were um, had the capacity to be able to call into the metro and then to, to describe to you where oh, you I had to that. go and stop numbers and things like yeah. that, I said to them, so um, on what side of the street will that bus stop be? And they couldn't give me a description. No. Um, another that that bus stop story that I was just talking about were um, I had to when I was working I had to go out um, and do a talk um, to a place that I wasn't familiar with, okay. and I knew I felt comfortable about getting off finding the train stop easy enough. Mm. But then I had on my phone um, I was looking for the bus stop, and it looked like the bus stop was on the opposite side of the platform uh, to where I got off the train. So how I confusing. Walked, uh, so I walked over to the other side because I can't see the bus stop sign. No. Yeah? And so I walked to the other side of the platform, you know, up over the bridge and down the other side, and I go, oh, I can't find it anywhere. Okay. So I got my phone out again and I had a look and I could see what I'd done. I'd gone the wrong way and then I could easily navigate myself back. So That's really helpful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It's really good these days. Okay. But I had a funny story on a tram one day where, you know, as an older person now I have a cane. Yes. And I got on a tram and I had my cane out and an old lady stood up and gave me her seat. Oh, and I felt, bless. I felt so guilty. Oh. oh, no, it's okay. You keep your seat. Yes, yeah. okay. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Very considerate. It was. It yeah. Uh, another question I've got is when you're accessing services, how do you find your invisible disability affects you? So such as banking, shopping, 
going to a venue when you're socialising, like a, a restaurant or a bar? Well, it doesn't usually affect me because I know pretty much, well, most of the staff at banks and blah, blah, blah. Okay. You go to them regularly so they get to know you. Mm. That makes it easier. But when I go out, it's happened before. Um, I've been, like, at the, in the queue at a mm. bar mm. and I was knocked back because I was looked like I was drunk. I, oh. I think I haven't had one drink yet. <laughs> And that was a little bit annoying. Yeah, nevertheless, it happens. Okay, Brenda, how do you go? Um, so similar to me, um, with banking and you know shopping that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I'm a bit uncomfortable to say. I usually only shop at the you know like groceries at the big one, the big supermarkets yes. and so they tend to lay out their stores in a similar fashion. Yes, it is um, a little bit easier to navigate. It is, yeah. Um but there's a lot of um you know at the at at all supermarkets and any stores that you go to these days it seems to be that um if I have my cane out or even if I don't I mm. think that um you know if I go and ask for assistance Generally, it's pretty good. There's one big hardware mm. outlet that um, if you can find somebody anywhere, um, I, I'm not alone with going to that big <laughs> hardware warehouse uh, <laughs> and having trouble finding somebody to, to help you anyone, to find something. Anyone. I know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think um, customer service is the same everybody has the same experience whether you've got a disability or not mm. um if they're going to be good they'll be good mm. and if they're not they're not yeah well that's and certainly I, true i believe that it helps if you know the people well it certainly does yeah mm. but when you're going to you know places that you're not familiar with i think that's when um you know, for me, over the years, I've um, built up a, a series of strategies that I use if I'm in situations where um, I can't see what I'm looking for mm. or I'm having trouble navigating things. Um, and it's that arsenal of tools. That's smart thinking. Yeah, that that they're the ones that will get me over the line when I'm in areas that I'm not familiar with. Being prepared with those. Mm. Do you find that medical practitioners have a full understanding of how you are affected on a daily basis? Oh, God, no. Mm. Oh. Do you want to explain how that how you go with that? Because I'm blessed, blessed, that I've got an ABI. So really, they pretty much don't know anything about it. Okay. Are you because talking about brain, brain information about brain injuries is so very, uh, very not out there. Okay. So are you talking about GP or specialist or people that you know or... Or people that no, you don't know. everyone that I've come across. Don't have an understanding of, of, of what you face on a daily basis. Mm. Okay. Uh, I think I would say the same as well. Um, so I, I'm albino and so that's one part, I think. Um, but how can they? You know, it's only people that know you for a long time. And part of it, I think, is my responsibility... Um, to talk to them about 
you know, some of the stuff. For me, um, the lack of pigment in my body mm. doesn't affect a lot of things. Um, but, you know, I could imagine for other people with other kinds of um, disabilities, you know, some of the, is it the Im- where your immune, immune system immune is affected. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that could be more challenging. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. What about family? Do your families understand how you're affected? Oh, I remember being an adult and um, I was talking to a friend of mine. Yesterday? yeah well yeah could have been yeah um and um I was explaining to a friend of mine about you know she's asking me well what what can you see and that's a common question that people Mm. ask well you know once they can you see what you can't what can't you see uh no they tend to ask what can you see because as soon as I say I'm legally blind they think I can't see anything all right yeah so they want to know what I can see yeah um and my brother happened to be there on that day when my friend asked me and he said, oh, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that about you. And we were adults, you know. Right, We'd grown wow. up in the same household for, you know, 18-odd years or something and and um, he didn't know either. Okay. But I think that was because um, of, and I'll thank you, Mum. Thanks, Mum, for making us just blend in. You know, there was nothing special about you two little girls with albinism. You know, you just got to get on with life and and we were nothing special. Well, there is certainly um, an advantage in being able to adapt, I would guess, Mm. as being a child as well. When you're facing situations that are often new, Mm. um, being able to adapt would be really handy. Yep, I agree with you. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about friends? Do friends accept your disability or, or understand it, have full understanding? Oh, the people that I consider to be friends, yep. they wouldn't be my friend if they didn't understand or didn't accept. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to my friends that they commonly um, make jokes with me. You know, they, okay. Yeah. Well, that demonstrates that they have an understanding. Yeah, they have a, they an do. ease about yeah. it. Yeah, they do. They're beautiful people, and okay. um, you know, it, it's. I really like that they feel that that they know the boundaries of the kinds of things that they can and can't say, mm. um, and they're very in a way that that makes them very respectful and really understanding of disability. Mm. Um, and I know there are certain things that I might say that they know not to say back, you know, that if I'm take, mm. making fun of myself, you know, yeah. Yeah. How about your friends, Lisa, do you find that they're, they have an understanding? Actually, it's bizarre. Which friends are you talking about? Pre-injury friends, post-injury friends, mm. the transitory ones? Right. You're talking about stages, so pre-injury... You had a totally different set of abilities. When you had your injury, then there was a phase of adapting Mm. to how your body was then able to do things or not do things. And then post-injury, you're talking about the way that it is, that it's not changing. You you don't have an illness that is progressive Mm. that's going to become worse. It's, It's quite stable. I think so. Okay. So... Do you have friends that have an understanding of all of that or any of that? 
or through those three transitions yeah. that you just spoke about? I think it was a lot easier to deal with um, me as a person with a ABI, with an ABI, before the injury. So I had, I had lots of friends then. Mm. They've now dwindled down to almost, almost, not there. Okay. And the ones that are there, I choose not, not to have that much to do with anymore. Okay. Fair enough. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what else to say about that. Do you find that you need to Sounds educate... Sounds a bit like Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that you need to educate others on what it's like for you day to day? Um, from my experience, I don't impose that. Um, I don't think that... It, I, I want to continue to be as inconspicuous, you know, that my disability is inconspicuous. Um, until I choose to disclose. I think um, mm. I'm one of the lucky ones when it comes to indivis- invisible disability um, because it is my choice, um, mostly. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I like that. I don't want to impose it. Yeah. I don't want to impose that on no. anyone either. Yeah. So if they like, they can know about it if they don't. Okay. I'm more than happy to educate Yeah. Um, and and try and do it in a sensitive way. Um, so because I think it's, um, it's a really good thing in terms of then, um, you know, if, if they come into contact with somebody else with a disability similar to mine, um, then they're, they're equipped mm. to be able to um, to be able to be respectful. Okay. And um, I, th- I believe there's a difference between like a social awareness of yes. disability and um, making friends more aware of that. Yes, okay. because that's getting a bit more personal. It is. It is. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, raising our voices, 8:55 a.m. and also online. We've got Lisa Brumptus from Brain Injury Matters and also Brenda Penaluna with us today talking about invisible disabilities. Um, and I'm aware that there there is still quite a lot of um, barriers for people with disabilities in general in society. We, have, we face prejudice, stigma, discrimination. We know that that still goes on. Some of us are luckily... Uh, lucky enough to avoid that, uh, but it is still there. Um, so I, I want to ask um, Lisa: Has there been a recurring theme that you wish people already knew about your disability and how it affects you, your invisible disability? Um, recurring theme: something that just keeps on coming back over and over. And you're like, oh, you know, I just really wish that the people knew that. Or, you know, I, don't, I don't have to explain that. I'm not stupid. Right. There we go. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Very intelligent. I can, of I, them. I, I, I've noticed that. <laughs> not of them. But that's the one thing. Yes, I have a brain injury, but that doesn't make me stupid. Hello. <laughs> Brenda, what about for you? Has there been a recurring theme? Um, 
it's about um, uh, so if I meet people randomly, I don't expect them to um, understand that I can't actually see things. Mm. But I do think that if I disclose it, um, don't be patronising, listen to what I'm asking for and then um, maybe put yourself in that position to, you know, if you're giving me directions to something, don't yeah. point and say it's over there. Can you see that <laughs> sign over there? Um, yeah. Uh, so that that would be the kind of thing is just you know put yourself in my shoes if mm. if you couldn't see either, mm. um, and don't you know grab me by the arm and think that you know that's the only way I can get to point A to point B. But I do want to put a, a little call out to all the PTV people um, that you know the people that let me through the barriers because um, You're talking about public transport. Yeah. Oh, I am. Yeah, mm. as a person um, who's legally blind. Um, and it's the same for other people with disabilities who can't easily um, use the Mikey system, the Mikey ticketing system. Um, we have a, a part, well, those people have a pass, particularly people who are blind and vision impaired. If we have our cane out, um, we actually can just go through the barriers and we don't have to use our tickets, even though uh. we do have a valid ticket with us. But I cannot for the life of me find which barrier to go to where there's somebody who's going to let me through the barrier. It has to be somebody from public transport to let me through. Uh. And, you know, at some of the busier stations, they blend into the crowd. And mm. so I have, I, I'm looking and looking and looking. And um, so please, if there's anybody from Public Transport Victoria who's listening to this or an employee, please wear something identifying. Um, some mm. of you do wear distinguishable vests and I really appreciate that apparently it's an optional thing um, but it's so invaluable for me um, but you know even me I can see things mm. you know I think of my my fellow um, uh, people who are blind who can't see what I can see you know how on earth do they find to get through yeah. that's it all right and we've also in talking about invisible disabilities we are also including people with intellectual disability, people on the autism spectrum, um, people with neuro progressive neurological conditions, and those conditions, whether they may be stable or they may be changing. We're talking about uh, how people in the community respond to your invisible disability when you're out in public and when you're at places like a workplace. Uh, when you're trying to access services, all those sorts of things. Probably my last question to you that we have time for today would be, is there uh, a need for social change? Uh, so, Brenda, would you say, you know, take into consideration your lifetime experience having a disability, is there a need for change, social change? Um, yeah, totally. Um uh, I think that um, it take the time to find out where people are. Just stop, just and you know, um, provide information, provide whatever somebody needs at the level that they're at. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, it, um, some people can 
um, you know, you can give complex instructions and information to some people and they'll take it all in. But, you know, sometimes you just need to be a bit more brief or break it down into smaller chunks for people. Mm. Um, but there's also a lot of um, there's a lot of assumptions about people, whether they're disabled or not. Um, and there are. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and it's about, you know, us all thinking about being respectful to one mm. another. It's a hard one. It is a really a hard one. Mm. Yeah. Lisa, would you say that there's an, a need for social change? I believe just because we're here talking. Yeah, it's an radio. indicator. Pretty much. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> is there a key message or one thing that you'd like people to know or to do? Lisa, would you? Accept diversity as part of humanity. Mm. That's pretty Basically, important. That's it. Yeah, that's a very important point. Absolutely. Try not to make assumptions about people um, because of their behaviour. Um, I'll tell you something funny that happened to me. I was um, I was uh, in a laneway um, and um, I was with a friend of mine and it was dark and, look, I might have had a couple of drinks or two. <laughs> um, and I didn't have my cane out, but I was holding on to her arm so mm. she could do sighted guide. And the footpath was quite narrow and a man came up behind us in his electric wheelchair getting really grumpy going, <laughs> get out of my way, you know. Like, <laughs> but, man, I can't see you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. It, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank yeah. you for listening to Raising Our Voices today at 3CR Community Radio. And thank you to Brenda and Lisa for talking about your experiences today. Um, much appreciated. Thank you very much, and we'll look forward to uh, the next program next month. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.